Hey everybody, welcome again to F This Movie, the official podcast of FThisMovie.com. Movie love for movie lovers. My name is Patrick Bromley and I'm super excited for this week's show because we are celebrating the 25th anniversary of the X-Files movie released in summer 1998, which means I could only be joined by one person for this very special conversation. My horror BFF, the Mulder to my Scully. Heather Wixon. Hi, Heather. Hey, I, I would actually probably think you're more Mulder than Scully, but I don't know if you're prepared for how nerdy this shit's about to get. <laughs> I'm not prepared at all. And I thought that through and I was like, I think in this instance, she's going to be Mulder because I think I'm going to be the skeptic. <laughs> uh, yeah, it's, you know, everybody kind of knows me like for horror and everything, but like, you know how people joke like they watch something and it becomes like their personality. Like I saw people complaining about, you know, people turned liking the Big Lebowski into a personality. Um, I will fully, wholly admit that throughout the 1990s, the X Files was my personality. Very nice. Um, I was super, super obsessed with the X Files. Um, so this movie was a huge deal for me. Uh, so much so. Um, and we'll we'll start diving into, but I actually dressed up um, with my friend Tom, who actually worked with my ex at Blockbuster Music, and we made fake FBI badges, and we went to back to back viewings of it the opening night. Wow! You so, saw it twice in a row. Yes, that was that. I was in the fan club also. Okay. Um, what did, did the yes. fan did fan club members have a name? Uh, we were the X Files with a PH. Okay, that makes sense. Yes. And we would get like special little magazines and they sent us before the movie came out. Like there was like three or four different posters that were released for the theatrical and they all have like a different color gradient to them. Um, and I had the green one um, that they sent me because you got like a random color. I think there was like purple, green, red and blue. Um, and I had the green one. And I'm still so bummed to this day that I don't think that was what out of the stuff that like my mom grabbed after I moved out and like all this stuff was like left behind. I don't think she got any of like my posters. So I like lost like a bunch of X-Files stuff, but I will say going back and revisiting this made me have this super flashback to the action figures from the movie, um, which I had. And then of course I have no idea where they're at now, but I bought them <laughs> on eBay this week. Oh, thank for, goodness. For $7. <laughs> oh, not bad. Not bad. So I, I guess it's so not I yeah, I will be reunited with Mulder and Scully, those Mulder and Scully's very soon. So, um, I did not see this movie in 1998, even though I saw most movies that summer. Weird. Uh, Weird. Did you watch the show or no? No. Did you think it was going to be inaccessible? Yes. Okay. Uh, so I, I went to see most movies and for whatever reason, just skipped out on the X-Files movie. I caught up with it later on video what 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 are we calling this? Is it X Files fight the future fight the or future. just yeah? Because on I screen think... it just says the X Files. <laughs> yeah. Uh, well, there's like the little subtitle that comes in. It says fight the future, um, and most of the posters actually had fight the future very small on it. Okay. Um, this is so, a real live yeah. die repeat situation. Yeah, pretty much. I mean, I think also too it was just because I, the the intention going into this, I think for Chris Carter. Um, because the end of season five, the the season finale of that was called The End. So his intention at the time of doing this was that he was kind of wanting to take 
X-Files to the big screen regularly. Like he felt like the show had sort of outgrown like, like sort of serialized storytelling every week and wanted to be, wanted it to be bigger because there, I mean, there's a lot of crazy shit that these characters encounter and things like that, which can be kind of hard to navigate uh, with TV budgets back then because they weren't like they are today. Um, And so I think he always kind of knew Fox was probably going to be like, no, like this is one of our most successful shows. We can't do this right now. But I think he was really hoping that like this would kind of be like the beginning of the X-Files on the big screen. Um, And so this movie kind of falls like the end of season five is called the end. And then season six, episode one is the beginning because it kind of like resets a little bit. Uh, You know, as you see at the end of this, like, Spoiler alert, the X-Files get, re- you know, reopened and things right, like that. Right. Um, but I will say what was, I, I really appreciate about the movie because I, I totally understand your qualms about like coming into this, like, oh, if I don't watch the show, like, am I going to, what is this even going to mean to me? Um, but I think it actually did a really good job, like in the first like 10 minutes of kind of setting the tone for people who aren't X-Files with a PH. <laughs> um and kind of immersing you into something and giving you a lot of the beats that you need to have to invest in both Mulder and Scully to go on this adventure. Yeah. My, one of the issues that I was having and I was trying to figure out why the movie wasn't totally clicking for me. There's things about it that I like, but I kind of think it's just okay. And I think part of that was because I was like, I've really only watched season one like three times. <laughs> and because I keep oh, restarting, dude. I keep going back. I'm like, I watched season one and then four years pass. And I'm like, I want to watch the X Files. I better start back at the beginning. And I watch season one and then I stop. And then four years pass and I do it again. So I've seen season one probably three times. And then I've seen the last season because I had to review the DVD set when it came out. So I saw like the Robert Patrick Annabeth Gish season. Um, I don't have like this major connection to Mulder and Scully as characters. I, I like them as guides through the weird shit that comes up. But again, I only spent one season with them really so i didn't get to see like their relationship develop i didn't get to know a ton about their backstory so coming into the movie i'm a little bit disconnected from these characters and i don't know that the movie does much to bring me into them as characters i think they're still functioning as guides through a crazy story Mm. yeah i I'd have to totally disagree. No, I know you will. I know you will. Because, like, especially, like, even the banter at the beginning, like, when they're trying to find the bomb and just sort of the back and forth, like, you get a little sense of, like, that they kind of give each other the business. Even when, like, there's literally a bomb at stake. Yeah. Like, there's there's a bomb somewhere, right? Um, And so I think for me, like, I just, I thought it was a really good entry that like gave us like those of us who've been like passionately watching this show like mm-hmm. some really good like wink and nod moments like you know Mulder eating the sunflower seeds um you know them back and forth kind of like the door gag with like Scully saying like oh we're locked up here um and then of course like 
in what's funny is because like typically like in a lot of stories like it's always like the damsel in distress but i think even in the opening of this like they kind of like show how x-files regularly switches that up where it's not always just like skull or ha- scully has to be re- rescued by Mulder, you know until the, until very the end often of the yes but very often scully has to come in and save Mulder's ass where like this time he gets locked into the break room right with the bomb um which the bomb very much reminded me of like die hard of the vengeance bomb but i think that was like i think that was like sort of bomb stuff going on back in the 90s um but yeah i mean i i know i'm looking at this through like a totally different lens um just because of like how much these characters have meant to me like my my first boy cat was named Mulder. like (laughs) you know well, that's um, why I wanted to talk to you about this movie because I know that there's nobody who's you're gonna, going to you're love it. Be mean more. about it? <laughs> I'm not being mean about it. I'm I genuinely I'm coming. I was like, I could watch the episodes kind of surrounding this, but then I was like, no, I think it would be more interesting if I really am coming into this cold and contrast that with somebody who knows the series backwards and forwards. Like, I think you're going to get both points of view on this episode. Yeah, and I think what's interesting, too, is because, like, um, Brian, he kind of watched it here and there growing up because, like, his mom was super into it. Um, And she also, like, watched The Lone Gunman and Millennium and things like that. Um, But he, like, kind of caught episodes of X-Files here and there. But he said, like, after we we, we watched the movie, he was like, we need to go back and do a rewatch of the series, which I was like, oh, no, twist twist my arm. Um, (laughs) Because I did that, like, probably... I think it was like 2013 or whatever we we did the Deadly Magazine right uh, right right issue of X Files where like I literally did like 18 different articles on like breaking down like special guests, monsters of the week episodes, the conspiracy episodes, certain players and the mythology and all that. Um, yeah, so I think for me like I was just primed. Um, I mean, I think that there's certain aspects of the movie that work better than others but i think as a whole like it gives you it's it just feels so much bigger than the the episodes every week like i have to say like i you know when i was re-watching it um one of the things that kind of like stuck out to me was the cinematography mm-hmm. because tv everything was always like sort of like intimate and can kind of just like a lot of interiors especially like in x-files because you're often like in a bureau or in some bunker somewhere um, and I really thought, you know, the way that, like, they were able to open things up with a lot of those shots, uh, I think it's Ward Russell was, like, the DP on that. Like, it felt cinematic. And for me to, like, take X-Files out of, like, my small screen and put it into something so big and beautiful, like, I was like, wow. And it makes me sad that we just literally didn't get another one of these for, like, 10 years. And then the sequel, admittedly, I saw it under really terrible circumstances, but, like, just destroyed me (laughs) i was like it was just a very dour story i was really excited about it i it came out like while i was going through my divorce and my ex decided to crash that screening i I went to it after work because i my i used to work at super target in warrenville and there's like a theater right over there and i was like i'll just go right over after work i was still in my target clothes and he showed up and i was like why are you what and so it was just like having to sit next to him during an X-Files movie when I just want to be in an X-Files movie. But then it's like the X that sequel is like all about like a pedophile and like, I, yeah, it was just, it wasn't great. I should go back and revisit it. But um, 
But this to me, it was like, you have like the core X-Files people, but then you bring in like folks like Martin Landau and, you know, Terry Quinn and like, just boost it up. And I think, you know, I mean, I don't know. I just was like, got really nerdy because you get like, you get to see the genesis of the black oil, which becomes this, um, the which is like the alien blood. And that's like a, such a driving thing throughout a lot of the seasons, which you didn't get to because you only watched season one. <laughs> <laughs> so like, even like the main bad guy, um, who's like, sort of like very, he's the guy who lives in Tunisia. Um, I'm oh, struggled. Basically like him coming into this was like a reference to like an episode in like season three, I think it was. Cause I think that was when we go to like the struggled mining company, which is where all of these like specimens were like being cataloged and stuff. So it was like all these little touches. Um, so yeah, like it was, it's, it was one of those things where it was like, it was big, but it also had these little details that were peppered in for people like me. Nerds, basically. <laughs> I meant to go back and rewatch the sequel, which is called I Want to Believe. Um, because my memory is <laughs> that I was maybe rewatching the show or the first season at the time that that sequel came out. Because I was like, I'll watch the whole show and then I'll go see the sequel. And I only got as far as first season. But we went to see the sequel and I remember kind of liking it. And I remember being like, oh, I'm in the minority here because X-Files fans do not like this movie. And I know one of the criticisms was it kind of just felt like an episode that it was very small and self-contained. And as you point out, dark. Um it wasn't cinematic. It's, it was it's not. a story and that could have literally just been in a couple episodes. The the this the first movie, the 98 movie, you can really tell they set out to like make it cinematic and it's it becomes this kind of globe hopping adventure because they want to spend the money and they want to give you things on the big screen that they'd never show you on, you know, the the small screen for lack of a better expression. And so I do appreciate um I know there's been like some revisionism the, the the closest point of comparison for me is like Star Trek the the show versus the movies and I know there's been some revisionism in recent years that Star Trek the motion picture is actually a masterpiece and it's great and I got to admit I'm not there yet and their approach to making things cinematic was to kind of rip off Stanley Kubrick and make it a little bit ponderous uh, and slow, but like really show stuff in detail. And I appreciate that this doesn't do that. It keeps up like a good pace. It just opens up the world a lot more, um, mm. literally and the world of the show. Uh, so you've got them jumping around from place to place um, while also introducing, as you pointed out, you know, new side characters and supporting performances from well-known respected actors part of my problem and this is a problem i'm going to have with the x-files whenever i do finally get through the show my memory of watching that first season and the random episodes i've seen over the years is that like the alien ones are less interesting to me and that's the whole mythology of the show that's the whole point of the show and that's certainly the plot of the movie but i find myself more drawn to like 
monster, the monster of the week. Episodes. Yes, Eugene Toons or whoever, you know, like uh, that oh, kind of stuff. Oh, bless your heart. You're like, you just like, I just went to Toons because that was like your for your thing, which is funny because I texted you about watching postmodern Prometheus and it was like there was no reaction. I was like, oh, I bet he doesn't know what that was. <laughs> I figured it out from context clues. <laughs> You're like, I had to Google that shit. Um, no, I totally get it because I actually think even. I think even like in the first season, because the the mythology, it just feels like here's a bunch of conspiracies Um, and Mulder's mixed up in him and maybe his sister is taking, maybe she wasn't like, maybe she was just regularly abducted. Um, And I don't think the conspiracies really start to gel till you get to like mid season two, you know, even early season three. I mean, to me, honestly, yeah, the monsters of the week are always more fun. Because, and I would even say, even with the revival uh, episodes that came back, I think my issues with those episodes, I always hated the Chris Carter mythology episodes. Love the rest. Okay. Um, and it could also be too because of the fact that typically back then, Chris Carter was more involved with the mythology stuff, where he had other writers who were regular do, regularly doing like the monster of the week stuff. So you right. have like a little bit of a different um, like approach to those stories. Like you right. had like, uh, you know, James Wong, Glenn Morgan, Kim Manners. Um, oh God. What's that guy? I think he did uh breaking bad uh, Gilligan. Vince, oh, Vince, Vince Gilligan. Gilligan. That's right. Yeah. Yeah. Right. Yeah. So you have like all these guys who like could go and do these like fun one-off episodes. Um, and yeah, they were like, even when they do the weird sexy vampires in LA, like, you know, it's still intrinsically a little more fun to watch that than like, Oh, we've got aliens again. Um, but I think because of like our society's collective consciousness and their obsession with aliens back then, I think that was the anchor because like, that was like when they had like the, the alien autopsy was a thing. And like, sci-fi was coming kind of back into the fold a bit in the 90s mm-hmm. um i mean you see it with like a lot of cyberpunk movies even like the sort of like advancement of technology and like our culture was changing and i think x-files was like a really interesting reflection of that um but no i i you know i think if you got into more of the seasons and saw kind of where it was building and how layered it is especially when you get to like the honest like there's like the the stuff with like the the native americans um and with like i believe like anasazi was like the season two cliffhanger maybe season no season season two sorry i used to have them all like (laughs) (laughs) so my brain's a little older and a little less functional these days um but yeah there was like some really really interesting things that like the way they were able to like take this thing that seems so far and outlandish, but like also grounding it mm-hmm. in like real societal issues that have happened. Like, cause like a lot of that was like involving like the, they were like the people who would like during world war two, like decipher the special messages and stuff, because we had to send them in a special language because other forces had got like, Right, right, smart right. to how we right. were communicating and stuff so like okay. it's like that kind of stuff like could really anchored for me and like so yeah i i mean would it have been cool to see a movie as like a monster of a week kind of thing probably but like i think for the for the diehard people like if you're going to do something big yes it has to be aliens yeah and i, think also I totally too, get it of, and also like 
the funny thing is, is that this was something like Chris Carter had wanted to do for years. Fox kept pushing him off, kept pushing him off. Nobody watches alien movies. <laughs> Meantime, Roland Emmerich comes along and is like, mm. hey, I've got this Independence Day movie, which is why there's a poster in there. And Martin Landau's peeing on it. Um, and Fox <laughs> was like, here's a blank check. Go make your alien movie. And Chris Carter's like, wait, what? Wow. wow. <laughs> yeah, because this was something he'd wanted to do earlier. And then once they kind of figured out like where the stories were going, they figured, oh, it probably would be really good to do it after season five. Because I think they actually might have shot most of this movie before season five was even in production. Really? Because of all of because of all the visual effects and things. Oh, like okay, that. that makes sense. They might have done like pickups during, but like they were, right. they did a lot of shooting like in late ninety six and throughout ninety seven. Wow. In early 98, just to get, like, all of this stuff going and stuff. Remember yeah. when you used to have time to make a movie? <sighs> yeah, <laughs> right? Like, in the 80s, they're like, here. A long period. Corman's like, here, go take 60 days. I don't <laughs> right, care, but you're going to get right. $20 a day, but you right. have 60 days. Right. And sometimes time is way more important than money. Yeah, for you sure. Know? It's funny, though, that the that Independence Day sort of inadvertently leads to the X-Files movie, because of course the X Files movie is released the same summer as Roland Emmerich's Independence Day follow up, Godzilla, a movie I did see in theaters in 1998. Oh, I did too. Opening night, baby. I was so excited for it. I was like, he's coming off Independence Day, a Godzilla reboot. How could he possibly miss? Look, I, I even saw that with Matthew Broderick, and I hate Matthew Broderick. So. <laughs> Yeah, it really is not good. Yeah, it's uh, it was interesting. But yeah, I think like it's funny because like some of this stuff obviously looks dated now, like some of the effects. But I was watching like all the special features because I'm a nerd, like I said. <laughs> and it's been a while since I watched them. And it was really interesting to see like the how much they were really pushing things back then because they were like using miniatures and like blue screen, green screen. In fact, um, the scene when Mulder is based, like in the finale, when they're like, he's on his way to like go rescue Scully, yeah. and he looks into that big cavern. Yeah. Um, I can't remember if they said this right, and if they, if I, if I'm remembering this wrong, don't shoot me. But like, I think they said it was one of the first times ever in a movie that because of how they had to layer that shot, it was the first time they used blue screen, green screen, and red screen. Oh, for a visual effect shot they had to have three different like plates wow to be able to to be able to create that environment that's cool i've never heard yeah. of red screen before i didn't either i was like wait what and i asked brian because you know he's like an editor guy and he's yeah, like right. i've never i've never encountered red screen mm, i call bullshit i i saw it <laughs> they, i saw the screens like i saw it yeah. it's crazy yeah and, um, yeah, so, I mean, like, some of this stuff doesn't really age well, but they also, uh, what I also thought was really cool, too, is, like, the spaceship um, that they reveal, which, obviously, like, the TV show never had that kind of a budget. Right. But it was right. really cool. Um, let me see. I don't remember if it was Rob Bowman talking about it or if it was somebody else. Hold on. Let me look. Um, no, it was somebody else talking about it, and I apologize. I don't remember who it was. But the ship itself if you look really close at the design of it, there's actually etchings in it. And that is a map pattern of this, of Tunisia. 
and they did like a topographical they took the topographical map of Tunisia and like did these like uh brass etchings all around the ship which I thought was like this weird touch that like super specific especially because the movie ends you know at struggles you know compound right, right showing right. that the bee that the bees are still out there in Tunisia <laughs> so it just like I was like oh that was really cool um but yeah like I think for me like I really I really liked that one I actually liked that there wasn't the payoff of the Mulder Scully kiss I was right. okay with it sure um gotta drag it out I wanted I wanted it, but I it was it was fine. Yeah. Like we we knew the emotion was there, and that scene sells it. I like the fact that there's actually a few like kind of horror esque sequences in this involving the alien. Mm-hmm. Um, but I I just I love big weird government things, and I was also when I was rewatching it, it just kind of feels like a really big love letter to like a lot of different science fiction movies because like there's parts of it that kind of feel like ET, parts of it that feels like Alien and Aliens. Um, parts of it that feels like Ant, uh, or like I almost said Antarctica, uh, the thing, <laughs> the thing, right, right, right? Yeah, like even like there's like diehard moments in this where like like Mulder's going through the the little caverns, like you know, watching Bruce Willis go through the, uh, the ducks <laughs> and, and the Um So and I when think, the alien says "Yippee motherfucker, yeah, that was unexpected. I'll tell you what, <laughs> uh, I about threw my popcorn in the theater when that happened. <laughs> Um, but yeah, like it, I just, it felt like something that was like very much made for X-Files fan, but it also felt kind of geeky in just like a big, Hey, we really love science fiction movies. And like, we want to be part of that mm-hmm. here. So maybe again, that's me reading way too much into it. Even like the opening kind of felt like clan of the cave bear in oh, a lot of ways. Okay. Yeah. I could see that. It, it, it... I'm thinking back on it now. Because the whole time I was watching it, I definitely was um, kept at a distance, you know, and was trying to sort of find a way in and and wasn't even trying that hard because I <laughs> knew that our conversation was going to be such that I was like, well, Heather's the one with the in, so I can remain on the outside of this and try to figure it out. Um, but regardless, like, you know, a, a recurring theme here at F This Movie is we miss the way that movies kind of used to be. And in the same summer, you could get a big stupid movie like Godzilla, but also like smart science fiction that's made for grownups, even though it's in the form of like this TV adaptation. Um, You know, the X-Files doesn't feel like a lot of what else was coming out in 1998. And I give it a lot of credit for that. Yeah. And I think also too, like, it was for me it was just like such an interesting time because i think honestly like if you think about it too like how much did like our science fiction change post matrix right like 99 i mean 99 was a huge year for movies that i think we we all have sort of come to realize like that a lot of things shifted um so i think for me like seeing like the movies like that were right before that turn and they still kind of feel traditional in a lot of ways do you know what i mean Mm -hmm. like where i think like the matrix pushed things um in some really interesting directions that like where everything felt a little more advanced where this kind of still feels a little old school 
in some ways, even though they're using a lot of visual effects and things like that. And, you know, a lot of practical things too. Um, So, yeah, I think to me, it's like it's 90, the summer of 98 just kind of feels like sort of this, it's like the end of an era. Era. Um, Because even like when you look at like Armageddon, which I believe was 98 also, right? It sure was. Super ambitious, science-driven action movie. Yeah. And yet, like, you make that movie today, and all of that is on a soundstage. You don't get the texture of that asteroid now. You know what I mean? You're going to get it on a soundstage. Um, And so, like, it feels like that shift happened post-Matrix. So it's like, 98 was just really an interesting, it just feels different. Like, it'd be really interesting to go back and watch, like, the movies of 98 versus, like, 2000 and see, like, how things had started to move away from what you were seeing. Yeah. Then, like, I, you know, I might just be rambling, but I feel like, because, like, I was even, we were talking about this, but even, like, oh, my God, what was, um, oh, jeez. I can't believe I'm forgetting. Like, like a movie like and I, it's a bad bad example because he's a dick, but like or a terrible person, but like something like The Negotiator. Yeah. Like you're making that movie in the nineties still. I don't think you're making that movie in the two thousands. Because I think sensibilities changed. I think they really did. Um and like even because like Blade was even in ninety eight. And think about how right. different that movie feels. Obviously, it's not under the umbrella of Marvel like Marvel right. movies are today. Right. But think about like the the tactility of that kind of a movie, minus the crazy VFX blood demon at the end, which everybody still admits to this day was just <laughs> the hardest shit to pull off, and they never should have tried it. Um, <laughs> I've I've interviewed people about that. Stephen Norrington won't do interviews at really? all. No, he won't. Um, and he was like an amazing effects artist, yeah. and I was like, and we got I got so close to getting him. And then he backed out. Um, but he just, he won't. And I don't know why, because like 99% of that movie rules so hard. Yeah, the blood demon's goofy, but you know. So well, it's not in the movie, is it? The blood demon, yeah, it is. At the end. I, after, thought, that was uh, a, I thought that was a, a deleted ending. Well, there's like two versions of it. The set, neither version turned out great, I don't think. Okay, I don't yeah, remember. Like but when... I remember watching a deleted ending with like some god awful VFX, and then I remember the original ending just being Stephen Dorff with red eyes. No, I think he like implodes or something like okay. that. Okay, you would remember it way better than me. I promise. So I mean, again, I, it's I, prob- I defer it, to you. I, don't defer to me because it's probably been. I was watching. I last time I watched it, I think it was like twenty seventeen or twenty eighteen okay. when I thought I was getting Norrington. He definitely um, does explode because he gets hits with all he gets hit with all the syringes and then he yeah like, but even I don't think that looked good no I mean, not really they, <laughs> no, they, they they tried really hard um it just never came together I think the, the technology just wasn't where it could have been or they needed it to be then yeah like you do that sequence now and it's gonna look amazing but right you know that's also again twenty five years later technology has right. changed especially when it comes to blood. But the rest um, of the movie is going to look like dog shit if you make it now, you know? Exactly. Like, it's going to be really flat. Yes. You know, like, I don't know. Like, I'm just, I'm somebody who love. I just love real locations. And then again, here, you know, obviously other than Antarctica, because you're not going to go film in Antarctica. Like, <laughs> um, everything just feels authentic. 
Like you just, you're actually out there in like North Texas or whatever. Right. right. Um, yeah. So I, there's just like, you know, I, I, it's, it's funny because I do remember like a few years later trying to watch the X-Files movie with my mom and like just having to pause it like so many times because <laughs> of so many questions. And I was just like, oh, why didn't you just watch the show with me all these years? (laughs) (laughs) So I get it. Like, maybe it wasn't as accessible as I thought it was. Um, But, yeah, I think think for me, as somebody who had this, like, vested interest in wanting to see Mulder and Scully succeed and, like, triumph at at their job because it's, like, they're constantly like being put down by the FBI and like having an answer to the man. And I, I just, there was something about that. Like I always really appreciated. And I mean, also, you know, Horace Pinker, you know, sure. he's a boss. Yeah. Like, I can't even tell you the first time Mitch Pelagi showed up on my TV and I was like, Oh my God. <laughs> I was like, don't trust him. And then that's again, another beautiful thing about that series is like, there's so many seasons where you're like, do I like Skinner? Do I hate Skinner? I don't know. Yeah. Because they, they always went back and forth. Um, later on, you love them. But like, okay. yeah. So I guess, I, I mean, I think also too, like I had like the first screening of it was like the primed super fans were there because like when the lone gunmen show up, like our, our theater cheer. Sure. Which I get. Like, I mean, they, they should be including stuff like that. Yeah. You don't want to just make a movie that's awesome. Right. And you don't want to just make a movie that is exists only to bring in new people because you're turning your back on the people that allowed you to make a movie in the first place. Yeah. I mean, I will so totally say I was like, oh, because like when they brought in um in the opening when Terry O'Quinn shows up and he's like, he's playing the show, and I was like, Oh, we're gonna start introducing Terry O'Quinn into this. Okay, cool. And then like <laughs> five minutes later he blows up and I was like, mm. Oh. Oh, what's going on? I'm like, you yeah. can't do that. Yeah. Um, and Jeffrey DeMunn takes it like a champ in this too. Poor Dale. Like, I bless his heart, and I say this, but like, has Jeffrey DeMunn ever looked young? <laughs> in the he kind of looks young in the blob, doesn't he? Uh, does he <laughs> I mean, know? you still are like, well, there's Jeffrey DeMunn. Like, uh, yeah, I don't know. Yeah, you know who plays the little kid who gets infected, right? I do. That's uh, Tokyo Drift. Tokyo right? Drifts. Yeah, yeah, Tokyo Drift. Which is funny because we were watching it. And I remembered it because I mean, watched Tokyo Drift last year. And like, I was like, oh, I think it's like the kid. And I actually remembered him from an episode, but no, he was in the movie. But then, like, we were sitting there and Brian's like, is that the guy from Tokyo Drift? <laughs> and I was like, it is. And he's like, oh my God, you can see it in his eyes. Which At I think first, I thought it was Will you. Poulter, and I was like, "No, Will Poulter would be way too young. He's probably like born in '98." So then I figured oh, out, that which is even more depressing, right? Oh, I know. Yeah, it's okay. Um, I work with I work okay. with people who like were 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 born after I graduated high school, so it's fine. Everything's my, fine. My students are born after 9/11. Like, that's yeah. bananas to me. Right. Speaking speaking of, I don't know if you ever knew about this story in terms of when this was supposed to go on Fox for the first time. I read it. Yeah, it was like I remember because like I even though I owned it, I was like, ooh, like we're gonna have to set the VCR um, because I wanted to like see that first Friday night viewing of X Files on TV, and that was September fourteenth, two thousand one. Yeah. I'm actually kind of surprised to be really honest 
um, that they would do a bombing at a federal building post Oklahoma City. Sure. That to me was I it was like, oh, wait, yeah, this is post Oklahoma City. Even. Right. Right. I was like, that's that's intense. And again, to your point earlier, it was just as weird as it is, because this is obviously an act of terrorism and lives are lost. Uh, but I was like, hey, it's nice to see a real explosion. Right. Some of the little digitally augmented smoke and fire isn't awesome, but they really, it was like a miniature building that they okay. did that on. Yeah. Um, they built it like outside at the Fox lot and like had like blue screen around it and stuff like that. And it's only like, I think it's like one sixth scale. I want to say, I think it was of a building. Okay. So it was like re- in reality, the entire building was like two stories high or something like that. Um, but yeah, if you watch the special features, you can see how they did it. It was pretty interesting. And we'll never get yeah. a Blu-ray of this, right? Because it's owned by Disney now. Yeah, I mean, there was a Blu-ray in two thousand eight. There was, okay. Um, which, of course. Oh I yeah, there was... is one. Well, that's a. I'm sorry, that's a European Blu-ray. <laughs> Here's yeah, the. I... No, that's European. Yeah, I didn't buy it back then because I wasn't into Blu-ray yet, and now I think it's on a print. Which makes me sad. Um... But if you buy the. If you buy the digital file and Voodoo, it does come with the special features. Okay. No, it looks like you can get it for like used on Amazon for like 14 bucks. Yeah. It was one of those, like the shipping. I wasn't going to get it until like, I think right. June 26 or something. So I was like, yeah. eh, I'm just going to buy it on Voodoo. Yeah. So plus I just wanted to see like the, the bonus features because Studio ADI did like all of the alien stuff and everything. I saw and that trans- in the credits and I thought of you. Yeah, actually, uh, Tom Woodruff Jr. plays the the alien. Anytime I see Alec Gillis or Tom Woodruff, I think of you. Oh, that's nice. Do you know they broke up at Studio ADI? Really? Yeah. No, I did not hear that. Yeah, I think Alec went and started his own company. What the hell? I know, like, because it all started with Tremors for them. Yeah. Yeah, I I kind of cried a little bit. I won't lie. <laughs> I was like, it's like you and your parents divorced or something. That's I think they're still friends and stuff, but oh, I think well, they were good. just growing in different directions. You know, yeah. which happens. But you know, after working together for almost for like thirty years, right? Oof, yeah. Um, was... But yeah, there's some really really good stuff on uh, the special features with their shop. It was actually okay. probably the most detailed look at special effects I'd seen in a long time. Cool. Yeah. Was John Neville's character... Yes, the well-manicured man. Like a regular on the show? Yes, he was. He okay. was very... He's been very intrinsic. Uh, I think he gets introduced in season two. Well, um, no wonder I never saw him. <laughs> yeah, I think he comes in shortly after um, uh, Deep Throat gets killed. Okay. Um, and then you sort of the cigarette smoking man and well manicured man, you kind of find out that they're like in cahoots. Um, but yeah, when when his character dies in this movie, it was like a big deal. That's um, kind of what I figured, but then I I knew the cigarette smoking man, so I was like, I'm I'm aware of him, he's sort of iconic. I'm less familiar with the well manicured man, obviously, because he's introduced after I stopped watching. But I when he dies, I'm like, oh, I'll bet that's like that's like not quite Spock dying in Wrath of Khan, but like that's the move, right? Yeah, it's 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 a pretty big like, oh whoa, okay. 
Yeah. Like it was kind of a bummer, honestly, like as a fan where I was just like, oh shoot, like what's the syndicate going to be like now? Like, and it evolves and stuff. Um, Cigarette Smoking Man becomes way more like intrinsic, like he's like kind of really involved towards the top of things moving forward and stuff like that. Um, William B. Davis, though, is so good. Um, Like in that role, like I adore him so much. And I think he's still like, does conventions and things like that because he's oh, nice. kind of, like in his 80s and stuff um he but, is uh 85 yeah but he'll he'll sign your pack of morley's if you want him to okay they sold they sold they sold fake packs of cigarettes associated with x-files nice. that's back when smoking was cool kids thank god those days are over <laughs> uh, i think they are kind of uh, I think yeah. everybody just vapes now. Everybody just vapes. Well, that's certainly cool. Yeah, so cool. <laughs> and Rob Bowman was an X-Files guy, right? He was. He was kind of like Chris Carter's like secondhand guy when it came okay. to directing. He pretty much did most of the mythology stuff. Okay. And he's like been like a like it's funny because like I I think the only movie that I can remember him directing and there's probably others um was electra um <laughs> yeah that movie's not good he also did that reign of fire movie about the dragons oh, and yeah. the helicopters with, with matthew mcconaughey right yes i like that i remember it and has Kenny a Murphy's lot of it, right uh christian bale christian bale that's who it is sorry yeah. i know that movie has a lot of fans i don't know if i'm there yet oh he also made airborne with Shane McDermott. Remember that movie? No. He used to play on cable all the time. It's, he's like a skater kid who moves from California to Ohio. Seth Green is in it. And oh. it was like trying to make this guy Shane McDermott a star because he was like maybe a soap opera actor or something. But he doesn't even is have that a the kid opinion. who was in the a, a, a Walk to Remember? No. Or is that a different Shane? That's a different Shane. This Shane is very 90s Shane. He doesn't even have a Wikipedia page. I'm trying to find (laughs) Shane McDermott. Um, I don't know what he's... He was on a show called Swan's Crossing. And he's older than me? What? I don't remember this guy at all. Well, this is such a tangent. And he was on All My Children... Uh, I don't know why he was like a kind of a thing in the 90s, but uh, they really tried to make him a movie star with this movie Airborne, which is not a great movie, but I think it's one of those movies that people have a lot of nostalgia for. And Rob, oh, I remember it. that. Oh, I remember that art. Yeah, but Seth no. Green has like real bad long 90s hair in it. I think I was watching good movies in 93. Like, you might have like been. This- like the Super Mario Brothers movie. <laughs> <laughs> this ain't no video game. That's right. <laughs> wow. Yeah. Um, yeah. I so I'm looking, and Rob Bowman, yeah, did direct a bunch yeah, of he's, the he's TV show, and he was TV. a producer. So he wasn't just like some guy for hire. No, no, he was super invested, and even like in the 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 feature that they were talking about like how Chris and he like worked through a lot of the script for like probably like a year and a half before they even started shooting um just because and I think it also influenced a lot of where season five was heading too 
prior to like it getting written. I think also that's why like Chris was always like sort of hands on when it came to the mythology stuff. Okay. Um, because he just sort of had this very specific vision for better or for worse. Um, so, but yeah, they were like, they were like two peas in a pod for a really long time. Um, and then I think Bowman like left, I want to say like around 2000, 2001 ish. Um, it was probably like right around when like all the stuff started happening with like Doggett. And I think it was like when Duchovny decided to leave and stuff like that, which was like dark days. (laughs) Um, so yeah, he was very much like the, he was like the second Chris Carter. Okay. So, yeah, and I think he does it, like, I think in terms of the procedural stuff, I think he does a really good job. I I will say, like, the alien attack scene, and I don't know, just again, if it was just more of, like, not having the experience of having to shoot something like that for a bigger screen. But, like, there's some stuff in, like, those scenes I wish that was a little better edited. Sure. Because it can be a little, dis- it was a little disorienting to kind of see stuff. Um, like especially like in the beginning with the Neanderthals, and then when Jeffrey Demond's character gets attacked, like just slow it down a little bit. Yeah, like you know, because it was just like you have such a badass alien. Like, give us a second to just really look at it, right? Because again, it's like I think the the really good shots of it that you see are like come. The, there's the one that's bursting out towards the end, but then I think it's like honestly like in the BTS photos. Like I think. Honestly, when I got photos from the ADI guys, like it was like, I was like, whoa, wait a minute, this is this? And they're like, yeah. And I was like, oh, you don't see that at all on the screen. Um, so yeah, I don't know who did the editing, um, but I wish they would have just kind of, he might've been a show guy. Let me, I'm looking really quick. Um, yeah, he worked on the show. So I think he was more used to like having to hide things for TV you know, sure. then you would have to, you know what right, I mean? Right. So, and I also kind of wish, I do wish they'd played it a little more fast and loose with the PG 13 rating a little bit because like now TV, like, you know, oh, you can pretty much, you know, anything these right. days and get away with it. Um, whereas, you know, it still felt like they were kind of pulling back a little bit. Like, I don't even think this thing had to be edited for television. Like maybe one of the shits. I think there's like two shits. <laughs> My, I, none of it's really uh, any darker or it, more violent than anything they did on the show, really. No, I mean, especially because, like, if I'm sure you've heard, because I know you weren't watching that season, but like, um, the episode Home is sort of like their most infamous uh, episode, um, which was like about the the cannibal. Actually, Home was before the movie. But that one really, like, they only aired it once on Fox's channel. And then anytime, like, it reran on FX, like, years later, they would always have to put a disclaimer in front of it because of, like, the cannibalistic, like, inbreeding family. Yeah, it's, you would really dig that because it's very Texas Chainsaw feeling. Nice. I feel like we've talked about it before. Yeah, that would be, that would be one probably right up your alley. Um not that you're, you know, necessarily into cannibal inbreds or anything, but you get the gist. Yeah. Um, but yeah, that was kind of the darkest, but it wasn't even like they got that because of like language or anything. It was just like the tone of the episode and like the thematic materials. Um, but yeah, I would have liked them to get a little more loose and goosey, loosey goosey with this. Loosey goosey. Loosey goosey. Um, 
because it, it it did feel kind of like written for TV. And maybe they had to do that because they weren't sure that like at some point when they were pitching the movie to Fox at you know, because like I said, like it was years before they were like, okay, fine, we'll make a movie. Right. You know, so maybe that was just sort of a product of that. Yeah. Um I can I ask you a question about this and, and maybe this sure. is a hacky question, but no. I, I did wonder it as I was watching the movie. And this is something I've wondered peripherally about the X-Files for a long time. We're four seasons in at this point, right? It's between season four and five? Five and six. Between five and six, I'm sorry. Okay. Um why is Scully still skeptical about everything? I mean, I think that's just her scientific nature. Like, okay. like she's, she's somebody who is like, okay, so there is something weird going on, but there's got to be a rational explana- explanation. And in a lot of cases with the episodes, there always kind of was. Where like, for example, like I was just talking about the episode Postmodern Prometheus, where like, um, these women are getting mysteriously impregnated and there's like a creature running amok. Um, and she's just like, okay, but like, there's gotta be something bound to reality that's making these things happen. And it turns out there is. Um, so like, I, I, it was a good, cause like Mulder's the guy who came in and was like, oh, there's like weird stuff in the sky in Arizona, aliens, let's go and investigate it. It's gotta be because he was like, he was a guy who was always driven by his sense of wonder, but also knowing that there was something beyond what we've always been told exists in our world, right? Right. And Scully, you know, they, they kind of established like this throughout the series. Like she's a she's a scientist, she's a Catholic. That's how she was raised. There's like a conformity that comes with these sort of aspects. You know what I mean? Like there's a rigidity. And so she has to always be asking the questions that Mulder's never going to ask because she's not willing to go both feet in all the time. Mm-hmm. And I think even in this, like the, it was very specific at the end when the ship is coming out of the ice again, homage, the thing. Yes. Love right. it. Yeah, yeah, um, yeah, for sure. And like she's passed out, but Mulder sees it. And I think that's like the perfect representation of what their relationship is like even though she gets rescued from a spaceship (laughs) right she doesn't even know that because she just thinks she was in some sort of facility because that's all she has as a reference so Mulder can go and be like we were on a spaceship and Scully's like but were we because she doesn't know like she didn't see all of what he saw and what he experienced so I think, like, honestly, I like that balance. Like, I, I don't know that I'd want two people going in guns blazing because I think then you could probably, like, wander into sort of, like, absurdity at times. And there are times where she's very flexible. I think especially once you kind of get into the seasons when, like, at some point it's revealed that, like, Scully can't have kids because of the things that she's um, dealt with through her work on the X-Files. I won't get too specific in case anybody there wants to go back and watch the series but like but then all of a sudden she's pregnant and has a baby and so there's like this whole thing like it's 
and like things like that will like make you go like wait what and so like it, it challenges like your entire like belief system um and again i just i think that's like what always worked so well about them is she was always willing to listen to Mulder, but she was always trying to find ways to bring him back down and be like okay yeah there's like a weird teacher doing sci- like satanic rituals in a, in a science lab but also you know we have kids who are acting out bubble you know what i mean like there's yeah. like a balance it's, yeah that's a really good episode too um <laughs> <laughs> sorry i don't remember if that's the one ryan reynolds is in or not but yeah there's like there's, that might have been a seth green episode actually um but anyway there's like a really like you need you need that counterbalance it's like the odd couple do you know what i mean yeah like no i that. get it from like a character perspective and like to have that dynamic and again yeah, i, I haven't i haven't see... seen enough of the show i just figured by the movie she would be a little more open to like at one point he says different. like i think it's aliens and she practically walks out and rolls her eyes and i'm like no by this point i feel like you would be open to the idea I think after this movie, things definitely changed in that dynamic a bit where like she was more willing to believe stuff, but still needed to have the receipts, if that makes sense. Do you know what I mean? Yeah. Like, I'll believe there's aliens, but I'm like, I need to know, like, how, how do you back that claim up? And like the sort of the facts behind it. Um, And I think even in like the, the, like the later episodes, like, especially again with the revival, it's much more open between them where i think she's you know at that point like there's they've both been through so much shit that like she's willing to kind of like just be like yeah okay this is this is how it's going and now we're gonna chase you know werewolf people or you know whatever right right. um yeah so i think that was you know as it progressed but i think five was definitely a turning point especially because of like when you see her at the end with like blythe Banner, where she's like oh well here's a crazy, weird, you know, genetically modified bee. Um, good luck trying to figure out how to, you know, determine what this is without having the X-Files. So I think it's a big turning point for somebody who came in basically as who's supposed to ruin the X-Files at the beginning. And basically saying like, no, you need the X-Files. Right. Okay. So, yeah, that makes yeah. sense. Yeah. Because like she just came in thinking it was a joke assignment. Right. You know, and that she was basically just going to come in, debunk this, like, crackpot guy and right. move on with her life. You right. know, she's a doctor. And basically, you know, now she's chasing aliens. They don't, they don't do, they don't prepare you for that in med school. <laughs> <laughs> I don't think they do. I've never gone to med school, so I have no idea. <laughs> um, I could be totally wrong, doctors. And if I am, I apologize. And why do you suppose, I mean, I know David Duchovny did like many seasons of Californication and certainly took his shot as a movie star and Gillian Anderson continues to work. But like, is it that thing where like they just became TV stars at a time where you couldn't necessarily cross over into movies? Because in the 90s, you really couldn't, you know, and I know Duchovny tried. But even the yeah. friends actors, with the exception of Courtney Cox, in the Scream movies, outside of Scream, it's not really happening for Courtney Cox. Jennifer Aniston, I guess, kind of did. But, like, for the most part, you couldn't become a movie star if you were a TV star. Now all those lines are completely gone. Yeah, because now movie stars want to be TV stars. Exactly. You know, because that's and where... you can kind of bounce back and forth now. You know, you could do a TV show, like a limited series, and then you go back and do 
a bunch of movies and then you go back to TV. I mean, lots of actors do that. Yeah. Yeah. It was, it was definitely a different playing field, I think for TV actors back then. Yeah. Um, but I think Duchovny was just kind of like bored at a certain point. You know what I mean? And he, I mean, the thing is, it's like, look, as somebody who was there opening day for playing God, um, as was I, I, my friend, and do I own the Kino Lorber Blu-ray? Yes, I do. As do I, my friend. I love playing God. Um, As do I. Like, I wanted more weird Duchovny stuff. Because I'll tell you, what this is the funny thing, because I didn't really have cable, like, in high school. Yeah. So my first year away at school, um, we had cable in our dorm. And that was when I discovered Red Shoe Diaries. And I was like, wait, what? I was like, David Duchovny's like this narrator writer guy, like, on a softcore porn show like what <laughs> i was shocked i was like no and then i was like holy crap like and i realized like he's kind of a weirdo um and so it was like i i get it because like if you're this this guy who's like playing this very dry character a lot like you just want to go out there and change things up a little bit like you know people always get mad at like the marvel actors when they leave like yeah but like if you've been playing the same character for 10 years like right, right. you want to go do something different definitely you know if you're yeah. if you're somebody who's creatively driven you gotta want to go out there and do something else yeah you know yeah um and i, I don't even think it was necessarily just because he was like angry at fox or whatever you know disinterest or things i think he just genuinely wanted to go out and try something different yeah um but yeah i don't know why i mean i think it was just how the industry was structured back then i think especially because tv back then too also their schedules were pretty demanding because they were doing like 22 to 26 episodes each year right you know so that's like eight to ten months out of your entire year like, it was always a big deal. I know when Courtney Cox had to go do screen because, like, you know, friends had to work around that. Right. Like, she got, like, I think she, if I remember correctly, she had to get, like, special permission from uh, Warner Brothers and NBC to be able to go and shoot. And I think for Scream 1, I think she was only gone for, like, eight weeks. And it was, like, a big deal, I remember. Because I remember reading about, it, like, an Entertainment Weekly or something. Hmm. Like after the fact where it was yeah. like she had to ask for like special consideration. I feel like everybody like everybody on TV made their one movie a year, like over their break. Yeah. Like that's how we got fools rush in. Right. Exactly. Which Adam Risky loves. I love it too. Are you kidding me? I think Matthew it's Perry's just fine. <laughs> it's fun. It's cute. It's sweet. It's a total Friends movie. Like, it's a total movie that the cast of Friends made, which I don't say uh, in a disparaging way. It's just, like, Friends movies are a genre unto themselves. Yes. Or, like, Romeo and Michelle. Right. Mm, God, better, I love Better than Fool's Russian. And then poor Matthew LeBlanc got Dunstan checks in. Was that what he was uh, in? No, he was in Ed. Ed, okay, the other monkey movie. Yeah, okay. which he might have made prior to Friends, but like didn't come out till after Friends. Because they were capitalizing probably on uh, Yeah, but then he made other bad movies like uh, All the Queen's Men and something else. Like he never, uh-huh. he didn't even have one good one. Everybody else had at least a good one. Mm. What was Schwimmer's good one? Because it wasn't the Paul Bearer. 
I like the Paul Bear. How dare you? <laughs> I didn't. And I <laughs> loved David Schwimmer back then, like so much. Um, he is not yeah. the reason I like the Paul Bear. The reason I like the Paul Bear has more to do with like Matt Reeves. Um, but uh, yeah, I like the Paul Bear, and I obviously have affection for Kissing a Fool because it's Jason Lee and it's shot in Chicago and it's a total friends movie. Oh, I remember that movie. Okay. Yeah. It's not great. Oh, it's all right. Yeah, it's yeah. okay. It is not great. And that director went on to create Entourage. Oh, so he should have been stopped. So, saying. He should have been stopped. And then they made That's an Entourage awesome. movie, which brings Oof. us back to the X-Files movie. Ay, ay, ay. Where does this rank in terms of like TV shows brought to the big screen? Oh, it's pretty high for me. I mean, yeah. I was trying, like, to be really honest, and this sounds so stupid, I don't think anybody's probably ever done it as successfully as the Brady Bunch movies. Well, but that, love... those are different. Those are I know because they're spoofs too. Movies but... based on a show, as opposed to like we have a show and now we're turning it into a movie. Like Sex and the City did it. Sopranos kind of did it. Star Trek, obviously. Uh, yeah, I mean, I guess like obviously nothing's ever going to touch Star Trek because like when Wrath of Khan is out there, like what do you even, you know, you can't even compare anything to that because like I, I wasn't even like I didn't, I didn't grow up a Trekkie person. Yeah, but I watched Star Trek two a lot in my childhood. I was so terrified of earwigs. Oh my god, <laughs> totally. Oh my god, I would like. I think that summer that we like watched it a bunch. Like I would always check my pillows before I went to bed. Because <laughs> I was just terrified earwigs were going to get me because I was like, well, yeah, this yeah. is clearly a threat. Yeah. Um, yeah, I don't know that anything really touches Star Trek, to be honest, because that was like, it changed everything. I think it showed, it's actually kind of surprising that more TV shows, like we got Twilight in the movie, but again, that's sort of like a standalone where it's just like, it's an anthology show. So it's like, there's no like through line other than like weird stories. Um we didn't even like there was dark shadow TV movies. Right. But like we had to wait for that Tim Burton abomination to get an actual <laughs> movie movie. Oh dear God. My, like my mom, when she was a kid growing up, dark shadows was like her, that was like her X-Files. And sure. like to the point where like, as soon as she got off the bus, she ran from the bus, like literally a quarter mile home just yeah. to get home in time to watch Barnabas Collins. Um, and, like, I remember her calling me after watching the Dark Shadows movie, and she was like, Heather, I walked out 30 minutes in. Sure. She's like, I would have left earlier, but I was really trying. And she's like, I left. She was like, that was not Dark Shadows. She was like, I don't, I don't know what that was. And I was like, I'm so sorry, Mom. <laughs> I was like, I get it. I've been there. I don't know what to tell you. Yeah. Um, but, yeah, it's, it's interesting to kind of try to think about, like, um, how that stuff changes. Like, how, like, how, like now these days like you can kind of go back and forth and it doesn't really matter like i'm actually waiting for them to like figure out some way to do a breaking bad movie like i'm shocked that they we don't made one something. for netflix called el camino oh, but, that, but wasn't it like an offshoot of what's his face's story i believe so i never watched it <clears throat> i honestly i never watched breaking bad um no I, I i it's one of those shows that i know i'm gonna get to one of these days yeah um but, like, I don't think they, like, has they ever brought back Brian Cranston to do, like, a real break? I, like, yeah, I don't even I don't know if that know. would even work. Did he ever show up on, like, Better Call Saul? I have no idea. 
I have no idea. I don't watch it. Didn't watch okay. that either. Which again, yeah. I know I'm missing like some of the greatest TV ever. And I'll yeah, me there. too. Again, I, I didn't watch it. Vince Gilligan, X Files. I should have watched, and it was just the worst time to like try to start a TV show for me. So sure. I just didn't get there. I get it. Um, kind of the same thing with Game of Thrones, where I was just like, oh, all right, you guys are already two seasons in. By the time I can get to you, right. I can't do it. <laughs> I got so many movies to watch. Um, so yeah, I'm. It's. Yeah, it's strange because like we're in this weird like flux time where like everything feels like it belongs to a certain property, but I'm trying to think of other than like the many saints of Newark, what like the most recent, because I don't even think Wednesday counts. Uh, no, I don't even know how to classify it because that was like a TV series that became a movie, but now it's a TV series again. Like, it's so intriguing to me. Um. That's a really fascinating evolution. Yeah. Um, Do you think we will ever get another X Files movie? No. How was the How was the the reboot when it came on? I did not hear uh, great things. Yeah. Okay. Again, the monster. There was a couple of really great Monster of the Week episodes. Okay. Um. The the general conspiracy ones were really terrible. I was trying to find a nice way to say it, but I got angry. I got angry. I think I really got angry. I actually almost like was like, nope, I don't want to do this. Um, yeah, like the there. I will say that there was um, in season ten, the, one of the episodes, which was the the Wear Monster episode, um, probably would I would consider that like an, an all timer episode. Mm-hmm. Okay. Um, and that's with, uh, I think Reese Davies is in it. Oh, okay. Kumal's in it as well. Um, I think he, you know, I think he's in that one too. Um, oh, Reese Darby. That's what it is. Um, and it, that's a really, really fun one, but yeah. And then you go into the season 11, the one that was really good. I can't even say the name of the episode because like, it's like a code, but it's, I'm looking at it right now. It's RM9SBG93XZXJZ. That's about like classic Mulder and it's like almost no dialogue in the entire episode too, which is really fascinating. So Mulder and Scully go to this completely automated restaurant, and Mulder decides he doesn't want to tip because it's all robots. Well, the robots like turn angry on him because he won't tip, <laughs> and so they get trapped inside this restaurant, and it's actually really brilliant. Okay. So that one's a pretty good one too. Um, but yeah, it was just like the 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 the, the overarching mythology episodes and the revival weren't great. But there's a few good episodes here and there. Um, there's one. Um, uh, it's called the Lost Art of Forehead Sweat. Yes, sorry. Okay. Um, I was trying to remember the name of it, and that's kind of like it really kind of it feels very twilight zone esque and kind of calls back to like this weird, like it's like sort of like this weird fandom thing of like somebody who says they know you from something, but they never met you. And like, it's, it's a really weird quirky episode, but it's super fun. Even if you're not like completely invested in all of the X-Files mythos and all that kind of stuff. But that one was pretty funny too. Okay. Um, But yeah, like, when we go back and do our rewatch, I'm I'm gonna do I'm gonna do ten eleven, but like the, the a lot of the um mythology episodes during those seasons were called My Struggle 
And I was like, yeah, oh boy. this is my struggle. Um, and it makes me bummed out because like I, I interviewed Chris Carter in 2013 um, at Comic-Con and it was like, it was great. He was a little reserved, but apparently that's like his personality. Like when he really loves something, he'd be like, okay, that's great. And that's how he <laughs> responds to everything that he's like completely like losing his shit over. Okay. Um, you kind of have to know that about him. Um, but uh, yeah, like I, I was kind of hope like hoping for more. So I don't know. And like now they've announced that they're going to do this new X Files series, well, and course. I still don't know. I still don't know how I feel about it. To be really honest, like I'm excited because Ryan Coogler is involved. Okay. Like I think he's going to be the showrunner. Oh. Which is interesting to me. Um, and I don't know if it's going to involve Mulder and Scully or if it's going to be like new new people playing Mulder and Scully. If they're going to just start over, they can't recast that. Mulder and Scully. That's insane. Or just like it's like Mulder and Scully for like a new generation. I don't know. You That's know what right. I mean? Yeah, right. I know. Like, they try to. They always try to introduce like new agents and stuff. Be like, like no, just <laughs> look. I love you, Robert Patrick. You're fine, Annabeth Fish. I don't want to follow either of you. <laughs> like I'm sorry. So yeah, it's mm-hmm. I know I, I it's like I always have to keep my fandom in check because like I always see things on like Twitter and stuff of like people like just like losing their shit over the stupidest thing and I'm like, but did I respond like that when there was like X file things? I'm like, <laughs> I probably did. I just wasn't on the internet making right. ass of myself while I did it. Right. Um, you know. So I get it. You get precious over things that you really love. It's it's okay in moderation as long as you don't just, you know be a jerk about it i guess <laughs> um i gotta rewatch the sequel now and just see like if i still like it because i've only i saw it opening day and i haven't seen it since yeah i uh i know i should rewatch it i don't know if i uh, i'll get there <laughs> it's probably not great <laughs> yeah I'll chris get carter there. directed that one right he did See, I think, I think he was is... smart not to direct the 98 one. No, I think it's also too, because he was just so busy with the show. I don't know that because being able to use Rob Bowman as like his own sort of in because they were so linked. I think yeah. that was smart because like, I don't think he could have done both. I really don't. Okay. It might've been way better for his own career to have done both, but I don't right. think he could have, you know, because again, you know, having to do, a season where you're, you know, doing 20 episodes of a TV show at like, you know, so that's 20 hours of entertainment on top of a two hour movie, but you're also having to take into consideration where you want to take stories in the future. Like it's, it's a big job for TV back then. Like now you can get away with like a 10 episode season. Exactly. You know, which I think is way more manageable. And especially these days, like where almost everything kind of comes out at once. So you actually kind of get a year between things. Right. To get time to work. Oh, God. I just pulled up the Wikipedia page for the sequel, and I forgot that Exhibit played Special Agent Mosley Drummy. He does. <laughs> I completely forgot. I forgot Amanda P was in it. I forgot everything about this movie, so maybe it's terrible. Yeah. I mean, here's the thing. I actually like Exhibit as an actor because I really liked him at 8 Mile. Um, yeah, he's fine. But, I mean, But... Yeah, I'm trying to remember if he was in anything else. Didn't he do like another horror movie or something? Uh, maybe he did oh, like God, wait, a triple X movie. Maybe I was thinking of Gridiron Gang. Sorry. Oh, okay. Which I, 
I, I like that Iron Man. I never saw oh, no, it. He, I know The Rock so is he in wasn't it, so of Amile. course you saw yeah. it. He, he was an 8 Mile. But yeah, Gridiron Gang, too, because he worked with, yeah, The Rock. So, yeah. He was also in the Country Bears movie as himself, apparently. Gosh. <laughs> I forgot that, like, oh, boy. Oh, boy. <sighs> We've gone so far afield. Oh, they should have the X Files and uh, interi- like investigate that movie. <laughs> the Country Bears. Yes. Yes, absolutely. No, They're like, well, we made one good movie on based on a ride. Let's do another. Or was that pre Pirates? It was pre Pirates, wasn't it? I don't think so. I feel like they all kind of came out around the same time. Um, the Country Bears. That was 2002. Oh, it was pre-Pirates because the first one was 2003, wasn't it? The first Pirates? Yeah. Yeah, wow. 20 years ago. Jesus Christ. Wow. It really launched a whole thing, trend in it? movies. Yeah. It really did a thing, didn't it? <laughs> uh, anything else about the X-Files you want to say? Um, I'm looking at my notes. Um. I do like the fact that the aliens are backstabbing the human beings. Like, just shows how dumb we are as humans. Right. We're like, oh yeah, we're gonna trust the aliens. They're gonna, they're gonna protect us. No, they're not. They're aliens. They're here to kill humanity. <laughs> um, my favorite thing also too is in the special features. Uh, Rob Bowen, Bowman regularly says visual tapestry, and for some reason, I just love that. So Ooh. I'm gonna start. When I, whenever I get back to reviews, I'm going to start incorporating visual tapestry. Just talk about the visual tapestry of the movie. Yes. And you know what was really surprising? And it kind of like my heart had a moment. So in the special features for the special effects, there was a couple of pictures of like people working and Rob Hall was in a few of them. Wow. My former boss. Yeah, right. And it's just weird because he's been gone now for like two years and... I wasn't expecting that. And he looked like this young punk kid. And I was like, holy shit, um, working on it. But yeah, they, 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 they talk about how they do the translucent bodies, which I love the alien, but I love that weird body horror shit. Yeah. Um, and the way they had to do that was so cool. So if you're into that kind of stuff and you can watch the special features, do it. Cause it's okay. really interesting. Um, nice. but yeah, I was, you know, I, I was like, Oh God, I'm going to get so nerdy and granular. And I apologize. Not um, at all. But if anybody wants to like, you know, get nerdy with me, I'm always open. I actually I probably will like tweet about my uh, X Files convention photo that I have. Oh, still. do it for sure. Yes, because they had a thing where you got to sit in a green screen room and you got to sit in Mulder's office, and so I'm sitting in there reading an X Files comic, as one would. Nice. Um. Yeah, but yeah, I'm trying to think if there was anything. No, I think that was kind of it. Um, okay. But yeah, thank you for letting me nerd out. Thank you for nerding out. That no, don't apologize. I'm so glad that uh, that you were able to come on and talk about this movie. I will. I will take any and all excuses to talk about X Files. If the, if an X Files podcast hadn't just started, I'd be like, oh, that should be the next one where we go through each episode. Because that would force me to watch season- it for sure. I know it would be like you'd finally get to it and then you'd realize like the beauty of all the cool shit that's out there. Probably. Um, Cause there's some really great stuff in there, especially again, especially the monster of the week stuff. Um, there's just so many cool things that I think you got, you missed out on, which is like a bummer for me, but maybe one time, I mean like 
you know, find some free time to watch, uh, t- you know, <laughs> 10 seasons a of a ten, show. Yeah, right. 10 seasons yeah. of a show. Yeah. Oh, That's including the revival. So, right. Know. Oh, my gosh. Just yeah. Carve out that time. I know because Brian was like, oh, we really should have watched like season five before we did this. I'm like, so you wanted to watch 20 hours of something before I did this like <laughs> in the last three days? Okay. I was like, I'm up for the challenge, but I don't know if you are. Right. Uh, yeah. Everything's the so, worst. Yes. But I do like the fact that now I realize in retrospect now that I share my anniversary with the Exiles movie, which I didn't realize. Now you will always remember it. Yes. So I will always remember that. But yeah, I can't believe this was 25 years ago. It feels like a it's lifetime ago. Wild. That 25 years has passed. But we won't also, talk about I will being s- old. Yes. No, or, or pizza. But I will say that I did get to see Dean Hadlin do stand up. Okay. In the late 90s and early 2000s. And he was very funny and very nice. All right. Nice. Yes. I've seen anyone from. Uh... The X Files live in person, except Exhibit. Yeah. He comes over and pimps my ride once a month. Oh, you're so lucky. I know. Oh, I'm like I'm agent. Uh, agent. I already forgot his name. Wait, Agent <laughs> Mosley Drummy. And he's like, yeah, yeah, at your service. <laughs> All right. Well, thank you everybody for listening. We have one more week left in June exploitation. I. Don't remember what the theme is, but uh, I think it's 80s comedy day. So I have to think of an 80s comedy to do a show about. But uh, thank you so much, Heather. This was fun. And 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 like any good podcast, makes me appreciate the movie more than I did coming in. Okay, well, thank you. Sorry that I, I know I get a little, a little cautious about things, but I appreciate the opportunity. And I know now, like next month, we're going to have to we're going to have to wrap it up with Craven. Oh, boy. I know. I know. So many emotions, Patrick. <laughs> so many emotions. Uh, but it's it's the closing of a door and the opening of a much smaller door. Yes. <laughs> <laughs> so Unless we go the X Files route, they're going to be busy for like the next like five years. Right. Oh my gosh. Yeah. No, I can't no, no, do no, it. Or ten years, actually. <laughs> I don't know. All right. Thank you, everybody. We will see you next week. Thanks for listening to FS Movie.